back to East Coast DNA. Uh, I'm Darcy, and Andrew uh, is stepping aside for this episode. Uh, today we have another uh, PEI-based artist, uh, Dylan Menzi. Welcome, Dylan. Hi, thanks for having me. So uh, just before we started here, uh, we were chatting for a second and uh, just the topic of podcasts themselves in uh, in my research around East Coast musicians, I did stumble across one that you were doing yourself at one point. Yeah. Um, is it is that coming back for season two? I'm. I have no idea. I don't. I don't okay. have any plans to make it come back. But I'm not. Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to it. It's. Uh, it's just as you know. It's uh, when you're editing it and and hosting it and everything. It's a lot of work. So yeah, uh, it it can Absolutely. be. It was pretty draining, and I, I wanted to make sure that. You know, I was coming with questions that were really, uh, you know, well thought out too, and and maybe try and find some. And I was also doing it kind of as a promotion from the record that I mm-hmm. released at the time, so it all kind of made sense to do it then. And and uh, I I mean I I really enjoy talking to people about their inspirations and and their dreams and and getting to know them on a deeper level like that. Like some people that I had on were friends of mine for years and years and uh you know i just i never really knew them in the way that i got to know them after interviewing them you know yeah yeah like, no, it's uh, always fun yeah definitely there was a a woman her name is she's a photographer here on pei her name is patricia bork and mentioned uh in the episode she talked about you know her husband passing and and getting to like kind of have a a uh not a like an opportunity to speak her mind to him one last time in a dream that she had and they had this moment together so that was pretty powerful stuff and i felt like i got to really know her on a deeper level yeah that's that's amazing and there yeah. was quite a few guests that you had i was uh, skimming through there earlier today just to see a little refresher on who was on there i know i didn't hear all of them at the time and that would have been kind of uh the timing is when we had lockdowns and stuff as well so exactly and i was i was lucky enough to get a a grant from the canada council to do it as well so it it really helped you know put me through that summer as well like in terms of just having a a project b like some money coming through and i was able to share that with some of the artist friends that i had that were also struggling at the time and Mm -hmm. It was just, it was really fun. I had a great time doing it. Well, that's awesome. So going back a little bit then, um, you've been an East Coast musician uh, for about 10 years that I know of, but yeah. are you originally from Prince Edward Island? I am, yeah. I grew up uh, just like Bell River, Wood Islands area. Um, so yeah, just basically just across from where you guys grew yeah. up there in Picto. So um yeah, so I, I grew up there, and then I played music basically my whole childhood. And growing up, I had, uh, you know, I have three brothers and two older and one younger, so they all played music before me. So the house was just full of instruments, and we would kind of jam all together. And I was in jazz band and concert band and all kinds of like in school music career. And then, uh, but yeah, I didn't really think it was a viable career option for a really long time. I was trying to be like a realist when I got to yeah. high school and I thought, you know what, like, how am I ever going to make a living doing this? And so I took all science classes. And then by the time I got to grade 12, I was like, you know what? I don't like solving, you know, algebra and like, I don't like calculus. And so why am I doing this? I have so much more fun. And like, I, 
I feel better when I play music and when I'm working towards that. So I'll just do that. And so yeah, about 10 years ago, I, I released my first record and, uh, and I've been going ever since. And was the first one, the Heather EP? Yeah. Okay. Heather Avenue. So coming out of releasing that, I imagine you were starting to get a little bit of a name for yourself on Prince Edward Island itself yeah. because that's where the area you would have been touring from and that's the area that you grew up in. So you would have had a little bit of the hometown name recognition, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, the music PEI really helped with that as well. Just like, cause you know, I mean, kind of the, the classic scenario that I always hear about is like, you know, oh, well, do you have a, a musician that starts out and they play shows and they, they grind for about five or six years before they like release something. And then mm -hmm. after that point, then they start to get a name for themselves. But I was lucky enough that, you know, I had some help from my parents to release a record. They were like, well, if you're not going to do school, like we'll help you with this project instead. And awesome. so, uh, yeah, really, really amazing. Like supportive parents. I, I would, you know, shut it from the rooftops. Like it's, it's a game changer to have, you know, that kind of support from your family. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, so, I was lucky enough that I could have something out that people could recognize my name just from the recordings and be a part of the community kind of right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so that really, it changed everything to do that and kind of skip that five-year grind almost. And in that, by coincidence, five-year time frame, about five years in, you uh, tried out for a reality show, mm. uh, the the launch. I didn't was at the time would not have been watching any reality show yeah. music or not. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent familiar with it. I'm aware of it from seeing some news articles and it was a memory refresher to see the articles when I was researching for this interview. Yeah. But, uh, it, that was an interesting experience. I mean, that was the second TV show that I did. Cause I also was like a finalist in the CBC's searchlight okay. uh, in 2016. I think it was 2016. No, maybe 20, 2016, 2017. Um, so yeah, so, but with that one, uh, it was, it was a bit strange because I had never heard of it either. And then they kind of, they were like, Hey, we're just, you know, we're starting this TV show and we're reaching, they reached out to me and they were like, we want to see some really great applicants and we would love to have you be a part of the show. And so, yeah, they, they reached out to me and I thought, you know what, like this can't hurt. It definitely can't hurt anything to be a part of it. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I went up and did it and I got to meet Nikki Six from Motley Crue. That was pretty cool. cool. And uh and then play for uh Scott Bruschetta, who used to be Taylor Swift's manager at the time. And I thought it was gonna be like uh it's like, oh well, I mean, there's a lot of universal label representatives there and other things. And even though I made great friends with them, it, it wasn't really like the time to, mm -hmm. to do anything like that. But I had a great time doing it. Then with TV though, it's strange. There's a lot of hurry up and wait. There's a lot of like, yeah. basically my entire experience there was uh, getting free clothes from and uh, sitting in my dressing room and watching Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, there you go. Actually, it, <laughs> Andrew will like that when he's uh, going through and editing this episode, he runs a, another podcast uh, with a different fellow. That's not his brother. Uh, they do a Seinfeld podcast where they do oh, amazing. Of all the episodes. So yeah, there's I, a I nice love little that show. plug for him as well. It's crazy how still like, so, well, I think it's because it's like a show about nothing. Like yeah, how, so how much of that still holds up. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. 
It really yeah. is. So from that experience, aside from uh, like the networking perspective, it did it have any impact on your songwriting or your sound? Because I'm not as familiar with your early recordings, mm. but going back and listening to some of it, uh, you definitely have a different sound in your earlier recordings than you do in your newer recordings. Oh, for sure. Um, probably a little bit of Joel Plaskett influence in some of your older stuff and oh, yeah. maybe, maybe going back to his Thresh Hermit days. Like, so there's a little bit more of a rockier vibe with some of it and some of your newer stuffs. Not all, uh, not all super slow, but a, a folkier and some, the lyrically, I don't know if it's changed a lot. It's definitely more you're getting uh, love songs and breakup songs in the mix a little bit more <laughs> with some of the newer stuff. So was that uh, influence from people that you were exposed to in working on these different shows or people that you were touring with? Or is it just organic evolution of an artist? I think uh, it's kind of a combination of a lot of different things. Like I would say organic evolution of an artist for sure. Like I... I started to listen to a lot more Wilco. And okay. so like that, that influence, the alt country influence kind of came in and, mm -hmm. and that, and, you know, even now, like I, I read a bunch of Jeff Tweedy's books, like his two books that he's got out now and like just changed, you know, my mentality to, to how I write songs. But I think too, I just, I became a better player and uh, yeah, my influences grew and, but also working with uh, not necessarily like touring, musicians but also but i mean obviously you learn from everybody that you work with you know there's pieces of of different things that come in and even like subconsciously you don't even realize that you're changing when you are kind of thing uh but really working with uh romish thavanathan on lost in dreams like he was the producer on that record and he opened my eyes to a whole world of of just understanding my voice better and understanding mm -hmm. you know where where I sit in, in my own, in my own brain and not trying to push myself into something that I'm not, or like, you know, or like out of my range or like, you know, it just, even if I could hit those notes, maybe it just sounds better if I, if I don't hit those notes and I go down a little bit sure. more and, uh, and, and even just like recording techniques with like how, how much gain to, to put on. Like, I remember working with him the first time and, and being like, oh, well, like I can't really sing because as soon as I start singing, like it's clipping because your gain is so high. And he's like, well, like that just means you have to figure it out because this is how you're supposed to do it. And like just learning mic control and learning all these different things. Like it, it definitely changed. Yeah. A, how I, how I record, but also like in the end, how those songs are presented because of the changes and how I record them um, in the detail in it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a, a lot of different factors of not only and, and working with Adam Gallant, too, who is uh, a producer here on PEI, he's just like kind of a mad scientist in in the way that he does things. And, and he's very analytical, too. So he's not like I like working with people that aren't yes men. So if I have a bad yeah. idea, like I want somebody to tell me that it's not a great idea, you know, for sure. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, th those are the kind of people that I really love working with. And I think I found it. I found I found that crew. So. Yeah, well, like it sounds like, like I said, uh, 
in the earlier ones, I'm kind of picking up some of the influences and then the newer stuff. I mean, it's, it's a Dylan Menzies song. Yeah. So, well, every, thanks. I, there is a difference that you could see over the 10 year progression. So, yeah, well, I hope so. I hope, you know, and, and I mean, you, you always kind of, especially like you're saying, like early on, I got compared to Joel a lot and even like, people would show him, you know, my records and be like, Oh, like, what do you think of this? And he's like, man, whatever, you know? Yeah. But I mean, obviously who, what does he care about this young kid from PEI? But, uh, but yeah, I feel like I have kind of grown into a version of something that I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. It feels more unique than it has. And and that feels really good in it. And when I was young and I, I mean, like really starting out, it was, it was hard to like go up to people and and be it's selling yourself and selling things because you know you would you would get those comparisons and then it's like yeah. well i'm not trying to be that and it's like you know I'm, I'm just trying to find myself in this world and and use things that i love to like do that but then yeah as you get older and things change and you start taking on more influences and having more life experiences it just changes and uh and yeah i feel like it's easier to now sell myself because I feel more passionately that I'm offering something that you might not have heard before. Yeah. And and be some of that is going to be, I mean, over time people know who you are because you've been around too, but your, your own self-confidence really sells it when you're pitching something to somebody. If, if you have that confidence, it's the not trying part that really sells it. Cause it's mm-hmm. just, it's there. Cause you, you, that is how you feel. And I think it's, there's an honesty to that, that people pick up on when they're listening to somebody try to sell themselves. Absolutely. There's a podcast that I love. Um, it's smartless. Yes. And it's like hosted by Jason Bateman. And, and anyway, he has this thing that he says is like sexy indifference. It's like, you know, when you, you, you want it, but you don't need it kind of thing. And yeah. that's kind of like, the difference between being 18 and going to ECMAs and being almost 30 and going to ECMAs, it's like, for sure, it's a completely different thing. You know, I, I, cause I, I have a resume that kind of speaks for itself now. It's, it's, it's different to, to go there and try and sell yourself when it's easier to believe in myself now, I guess. Yes. And now I know that you had just, uh, did a showcase for music PEI cause they just had their awards and everything, uh, just, about a week ago, maybe two weeks by the time this airs. Mm. Um, but you mentioned ECMAs. You're also nominated this year for two different awards. Yep. The uh, Folk Recording of the Year and uh, Rising Star Recording of the Year. And Rising Stars for single, correct? And the Folk Recordings for full album? Is that? Yeah. That I yeah. Th- I'm actually confused about how that works. I, I mean, like, I think. I am trying to remember what the application process was like and like how, cause I know that, yeah, a piece of me is the rising star recording that's nominated, yes. but it's, it's on that record. And yeah, I don't really understand. Like, I don't remember if I submitted it as a single or not, but yeah, I I'm really, really proud of those nominations because uh, the record is like all self-recorded. Like I did it um, just sitting basically right exactly where I'm sitting right now in my dining room. And uh yeah, played all the parts and just had fun over the last spring and summer putting it all together. And did yeah. the single you had out right before the album was that on the previous album or was it just a standalone single? 
Uh, yeah. I don't want to hurt. Uh, doesn't want to behind. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah. That was a breakup song that I did. I, um, I was going through a breakup a few years ago and, um, I had this idea just kind of strike me like a, like a bolt of lightning one mm-hmm. night. And I kind of just had all the chorus in my head all at once. And I was going to a party and I had to like text everybody and be like, I'm, I'm not coming. I'm going to yeah. go home and, and write this thing. Cause it just seems like there's something special going on right now in my head. And, uh, and so I did, and I wrote like all of it that night. And, uh, then I was, again, I was still in that mindset of like, cause I, I listened to a lot of like, uh, song exploder too, and podcasts yeah. like that, where they, they analyze stuff and, and, uh, I can't remember his name, but the lead singer, uh, uh, Wynn Butler from Arcade Fire was talking about how, you know, making a record is, is half, you know, meticulous preparation and half lightning in a bottle. And so I, I was like, I said to my producer, I was like, we got to get into the studio now because I want to be in this headspace, in this like kind of moment yeah. right now. And like, I want that to come off on the record. And uh, I think it does. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful song. I, I've had that on my car, my my infamous USB stick in my car. It's, it's, oh. it's, there's a few songs that I have on there that I swap out once in a while, but that's been on there for a while. Awesome. Thanks, man. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it speaks volumes to anyone that's ever been through a breakup, I'm sure. But <laughs> when, when I originally was starting to listen to it, I, I was not in the middle of a breakup. So mm. it's still, uh, it still was a song that stuck out for me for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, even though it's a sad song, it's got to be a jam anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm sure people, uh, would have seen me singing along maybe when I'm driving down the road, but I keep the windows <laughs> up on those days. Nice. So the new album it was where you said you were doing a lot more of it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, did that kind of come as an inspiration out of that single? Like it was, or is there a little bit of a flow from one thing to the other, or was that already the path you were on? It was kind of already the path that I was on. And, and to be honest, I, um, I wanted to do sort of, a record like this one for a long time where it was just i mean the biggest song on there which is a piece of me uh it has like one kind of baseline acoustic guitar one rhythm guitar one harmony part and the lead vocal and i think the guy that mixed it also added like a little shaker part to the second okay. chorus but other than that that's that's it that's on there um, and like, I think there's also maybe like a fluttery flamenco kind of guitar part that's really, really down low in the mix. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's super bare on everything on it. And, and I wanted to do something like that for a long time, but I never felt like my writing was kind of there enough. Cause when there's nothing there, the songwriting is all that's there. Yeah. Um, and so like, it really has to speak to something and, and tell a story, a really good story. And. And I, I finally had a collection of songs that I thought, you know what? Like when I listen to these with just these very bare bones parts, like it does, I don't feel like it needs anything else. And so uh, even like I did one called uh, like a uh, reimagination of some songs from a record called Adolescent Nature. And it was called As the Clock Rewinds, which was more of the folky laid back thing, but I wanted that originally to be just, like I said, like a very bare bones thing. But as we got into the studio, it just didn't feel right to do it that way. So we we added a lot more production and a lot more things, which again, I'm grateful for because 
I learned a lot while I did it. Yeah. And, uh, but now I finally felt like I had something that I could release like that. Um, so yeah, I was, I was really happy to do it that way and, and finally kind of put something out. Like, you know, I grew up listening to tallest man on earth and those records are so bare bones that I, I wanted something that I could say as much with, you know, and Ed, we have a companion playlist that we put along with these regular episodes as well. So um, I was putting the framework of one together to go along for your episode. Cool. I, I leaned heavy on modern classic because as I was listening to it, those were all the songs I kept going back to anyway. But I also did find a couple, uh, maybe two or three cover songs that I added on there that you'd recorded over time as well. And one thing I noted. Uh, when listening to cover songs, like everybody likes somebody that just nails their favorite song when they're watching their cover live. Mm. But as far as listening to pre-recorded covers, uh, something I picked up a long time ago from a radio personality was to kind of focus more so on the ones that don't sound as much like the originals. And I did notice that you do play them so that they're recognizable, but they're also Dylan Menzies songs. <laughs> like to to start yeah. that to start that turn of phrase around the East Coast, Dylan Menzies song. Right. Um, wow. Hey. Yeah. You but yeah, they have first everybody. Exactly. Yeah. There's a little bit of a different vibe when you do the covers than there is from the original of those songs. Is that a deliberate thing, or is that more? It sounds like there's a common theme across all of your projects that you're experimenting a little bit while you're trying to produce something new. So. You have a vision, but you're experimenting along the way, so you're not even 100% certain how it's going to turn out. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. I um, And sometimes, like, I have a pretty good indication of what I want the cover to turn out like. Like, uh, the one of uh, Wetter Shade of Pale, I kind of knew, like I said, like, that collection of songs was was supposed to be more laid back, supposed to be a lot less. And then, I mean, I, I just... I heard the string part on it and I wanted to kind of reimagine what was already there. Um, so that one came pretty naturally, but then other ones, like, uh, I did a cover of, um, drive by the cars and, yes. uh, I, I didn't even know what I was playing when I first started playing it. And I just kind of like, I had this riff on, I was playing banjo, which I don't really ever play. And I just like started playing this thing. And then it just reminded me, of that song. I'm like, Oh, well, that would be kind of fun to do something like that. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing into this thing, uh, that I really fell in love with. Um, and actually that, that is probably my favorite cover that I've done is the cover of drive. Um, and again, because that was, that was really the first thing that I ever did where I recorded it myself, like completely. Yeah, okay. And so it, it felt like, again, like I, I had passed some sort of threshold or like a, a plateau. And I just, I really have fallen in love with doing a lot of recording myself. Because even in the studio, you get, you get kind of like, I don't know, I get in my own head about wasting somebody else's time. Or if you're on the clock too, like some producers will do like a per song basis. Mm -hmm. So like, which is pretty great. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have to worry about the clock running out. You just pay a set fee. But if you're on the clock, it can be like 50, 60 bucks an hour. And mm -hmm. if you have to try and like, you know, like we were talking about be creative and, and you don't really know where it's going sometimes. And sometimes I do have a set demo, but most of the time, depending on if it's a solo singer songwriter vibe or whatever, 
I don't really know where it's going. So if you're trying to be creative on the spot like that and it's costing you $60 an hour, like it can be pretty tough on yeah. your mind to do that. Uh, so like when you demo and you and I started recording myself more and more, I, I just felt like I could open myself up more and just try stuff that just might not work, you know, and, and have so fun doing it. I, I can see how you're uh, <clears throat> gravitating towards being more hands-on and having more control and using that to increase the amount of fun that you're able to have with it to remove some mm-hmm. of the stresses. I, and I can parallel that to some of my uh, personal life stuff. Just removing stress in your life in general allows you to be a little bit more free with stuff. But in doing that, you open up some opportunities as well. So are you considering maybe in the future producing for other people? I I would like to, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely something that I've thought of, but in another sense, it's like there's so many amazing producers on the East Coast already. Sure. Like, do I really want to try and and break into that that scene? Like, do I really need to do that? I I don't know. I I would, I'd like to try it for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of my whole thing. Is like I'm I'm down to try whatever. I'll, I'll yeah, you know, I'll I'll do anything at least once. And so coming up, the, the ECMAs are coming up really soon. Um, mm-hmm. Are you showcasing at that as well? Since I am, yeah. I, uh, I'm playing the award show. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to do a showcase at Alderney Landing, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. So playing a couple awesome. times with the band over there. Lots of opportunities. Um, and so do you have a tour coming up? Or are you getting ready yeah. to record even more material as a follow-up to these potential awards? Well, I do have kind of six songs in the can uh, that I've already kind of worked on. And speaking of, you know, working on projects where, you know, you can be more free and less stress. And and I decided with this project that I have coming out uh, that I wanted it to be more of that. So, you know, I worked with uh, Joshua Van Tassel out of Nova Scotia and he played drums on everything. But when we sent him the tracks, it was just like, a guide vocal and a guitar line. And then it was like, I didn't tell him what to play at mm-hmm. all. So I was just like, just like whatever you feel and like whatever you think is going to fit best for this track, like just go in that direction and we'll see like how we can play together given just like you know, your best creativity, you know, like just like throw everything at the wall, see what sticks and then send it back to me when you think you've come up with something that really, really fits it and is great. And sometimes what he would send back, like there's a song called Major Line, and what he sent back was completely out of what I thought it was going to be, you know, yeah. or or anything that I would have imagined because we were picturing it like kind of like this folkier four on the floor vibe, and and he sent back something in halftime, and it just like it accentuated the chords in a way that I never thought that they could be, and I just loved that, and again, that's that's a perfect indication of like, oh well giving artists the opportunity to just like be in their own space and not worry about the stresses and stuff. So, so I'm, I'm really excited about those recordings too. And then yeah. same thing with the, the guy that played bass on a heart that doesn't want mine, Evan McCaution with this one, we sent him all the songs with the drums and everything laid. And it's just like, again, just, just play what you feel and then we'll, we'll work it out after that, you know, kind of thing. But, but just give us your, Give us whatever you think is going to be the best. And yeah, I, I, I love that way of working. And sometimes even if he's in the studio, it's like, 
I'm giving notes while he's there. Like the producer's got notes and he's just can't, like he's trying to learn the part and also make a note of what everybody's telling him at the same time. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot less stressful and they can be a better version and a more creative version of themselves at home. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think that's a freedom that a lot of people sometimes forget about when you're trying to make money out there. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's nice that uh, we've adopted a lot of tools over the last five to 10 years to allow for free collaborations like that to even happen. It used to be like, that's something you could do if you had a lot of money Mm -hmm. or if you had enough time, but now it seems to be a little bit more universally available to people. So it's, yeah. And I mean, like the pandemic, like for all the horrible things that it caused the world, like that is one positive to come out of it is, is a, uh, uh, willingness to to work in separate spaces and, mm-hmm. and to uh, yeah maybe let go of the reins a little bit more. And so going forward, are you looking at maybe expanding further out, like maybe outside of the East Coast? Is probably obvious, but are you yeah. looking at expanding outside of even the country at any point? Or is yeah, it just I have, I have a tour. See? I have a tour lined up for may of this year mm-hmm. uh to go down to like the new england states um i have like a, a weekly residency gig at the philadelphia museum of art for the month of may awesome yeah it was pretty cool I, I uh somebody told me that it's it's the scene from rocky like the steps that he runs up like oh, yeah, the philadelphia yeah. museum of art so it's pretty cool to like have a show there um so i'm, I'm excited to recreate those scenes down there Oh, you got to do that. And then I, I'm going to go to, yeah, yeah, I have to, I have to yeah. do it. That's but, that's uh, begging yeah, for and, a social media post. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, but um, yeah, I, I'm really excited to do that. I've never really done a tour of the States before, aside from conferences like uh, Folk Alliance International and things, mm-hmm. just unpaid stuff. So this is the first time I really got to do the whole visa, visa yeah. excursion. And yeah, it's, it's a process for sure. Yeah, well, that's exciting and another uh, different opportunity for you. It seems to fall right in your wheelhouse of liking to try new things. Yeah, and even too, like like I was saying with this record, Modern Classic, I I got more comfortable with my solo show and, and the songs being themselves. So this is a whole solo tour down there. So uh, oh, it's going to cool. be fun. Awesome. So going forward, people can keep an eye out looking for the tour dates and some new material. Where should they follow you online? Uh, you can follow me. I'm, I'm pretty much strictly on just Instagram these days. Although I, I've been toying with the idea of starting a TikTok account. But uh, yeah, Instagram at, at Dylan underscore Menzi is the way to go for that. If and you, go, you if can you go also TikTok, go to my website too. TikTok, you got to do the stairs if you go on TikTok. That's, exactly. That's absolutely a TikTok video. And uh, luckily, there's already a sound that matches perfectly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Is there uh, any content? You have stuff on Bandcamp as well? Yep. Yeah, I and, do. And Spotify. So For sure. If somebody wants to throw a few bucks Bandcamp, if they want you to get a few cents, and listen to Spotify over and over and over again, you'll get some eventually. Oh my God. My dad had this whole, like he used to, for Spotify, he used to set up like 10 fake 
kind of accounts, 10 or 12 fake accounts. And he would have all of his old cell phones running my music 24 seven. And he's yeah. like, look, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers here. It's like, by the end of the year, like you're going to have like $150 or something just because of these 10 phones. And he's just trying to mine Spotify place, which was yeah. pretty funny. But yeah, I don't had, think he still does it anymore, but it was pretty funny at the time. They did that on the Netflix show girls forever. There's oh really? Scene with, with their old manager and he has old cell phones and tablets and he has every device around his office and he's pressing all the buttons on everything. It's Oh, I love that. Like I said, supportive parents. That's where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. And we usually play out with a song. So is there a song you'd like our listeners to hear as uh, they part with us today? Uh, Why not play a piece of me? I think that's a good one. It's appropriate. For sure. It's all about, you know, if I, if I had a, a piece of who I am and I gave it to you, like, would you hold on to it? So I feel like this is a piece of myself that I just gave. So awesome. Awesome sentiment. Good little backstory behind the song and, uh, <laughs> congratulations on the nominations. Uh, good hey, luck going so into the ECMAs. Um, I'm planning on being somewhere on site in some capacity. So maybe I'll meet you again in person. I would love that. Uh, hopefully get rid of this little tickle that's been bothering my throat. <laughs> uh, I'm not too comfortable with that even. In these uh, open days. For I, sure. Anytime I cough in public, I'm like, oh, no, they all think I got it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, but hopefully there's still a few weeks away. I should be fine by then. So uh, uh, I'll keep an eye out for you. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. We'll uh, keep an eye out for uh, new material and our listeners taking this to uh, Peace of Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one. If I broke you off a piece of myself, would you care for me? Put me up on the show. Waiting through the water at the beach, would you clean me up and take me home if you found me? Honestly. If you had a piece of me, tell me the truth Would you keep it close to you? Honestly, if you could hold on to me Tell me the truth, would you keep it close to you? Would you keep me on a lock and key? Put me on the mantle for everyone to see Like some kind of trophy Well, you could take me anywhere that you go Put me in your pocket so you never feel alone All alone, no Honestly, if you had a piece of me Tell me the truth would you keep it close to you? Honestly, if you could hold on to me, tell me the truth. Would you keep it close to you? I tell me the truth. Would you keep it close to you? Oh, tell me the truth. Would you keep it close to you? Yeah, keep it close.